You can listen to The Professional Left on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There is a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for January 23rd, 2015. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the bread bag sale at Zappos. It's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. Get them while they're hot. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what Zappos is. Zappos is an online shoe, is the online shoe store. See. You want to buy shoes online? That's oh, where you go. Oh, okay. Zappos. This, was, this is the part of the Venn diagram where youngest and oldest child meet. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they were online shopping for shoes together uh, tonight. Uh, and not we fighting have, at and, all. And, oh, no. Oh, no. Because uh, all, of, all of Junior Dude's, um, he, he likes cheap sneakers, and um, they're all on clearance over at one of the department stores. So, And, of he's course, hulking. who would know about a shoe sale but youngest child? So yeah. He's hulking <laughs> his way out of his shoes. So Yeah, he is. He's oh, breaking uh. his, his – because he, he buys cheap, flat no lace sneakers. Now he doesn't like basketball shoes. He just wants cheap shoes. And so there he goes. And, uh, <laughs> and his sister's very good at shopping. So Lord. All right. So we had, a, we had a peaceful evening tonight. Yeah, we, we did. We, we Cause they a, sat in front of the laptop looking at shoes. shoes. <laughs> Buy some shoes. Junior dude. Uh-huh. These are the shoes you want. <laughs> and they're on sale. <laughs> let's, go, let's go shopping for shoes. Shoes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's such a funny video, but any, Let's All get right. some shoes. All right. We have a letter. We we do. We have a letter from a listener in Iowa, and she sent it today, and I thought it was so timely. I thought, it, and it was a great opening for our podcast. I, uh, I should fully disclose that both my brother and sister were born in Iowa. Ah. Um, I was not. Apparently, they moved out of state to have me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but and I, I lived in Iowa when I was a little little boy um, in the smallest town in Iowa. So. I have fond memories. It, it, it was I was well treated in Iowa. I have great memories of Iowa. And um, you did family reunions in Iowa for years, right? Did. Yeah. Well, we did family reunions in in Missouri. In Missouri, the the family oh. is. But I've been back to the little town a few times, and I'll tell you a haunting story about it one day. Uh, but actually, it would make a good short story. You should just it, write it. Yeah. It really would. The, yeah. the great flaw in it is it's absolutely true. <laughs> that um, is a, that yeah. is a flaw. <laughs> yeah. And All right, well, you tell us about that someday, but in the meantime, yes. here's our letter. Mm-hmm. Dear Drift Glass and Blue Gal, I've been enjoying your podcast for the last three years. I started listening when I was being treated for ovarian cancer. Well, bless your heart. Your humor and righteous indignation helped me get through those tough months of treatment. We are so glad to hear that and hope you're doing well. I'm writing because as a native Iowan, I am deeply distressed that my fellow voters decided to elect a fraud like Joni Ernst to represent our state. Yeah, I can imagine you are. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I'm amazed that no one in the press has tried to drill down on the truthfulness of her various folksy claims. I cite her vacuous pseudo-populist response to Obama's State of the Union address on Tuesday evening. In her remarks, she described how she had to make do with only one good pair of shoes during her childhood and wore bread bags over her shoes to prevent water damage. You see, growing up, I had only one good pair of shoes, so on rainy school days, my mom would slip plastic bread bags over them to keep them dry. But I was never embarrassed because the school bus would be filled with rows and rows of young Iowans 
with bread bags slipped over their feet. While I, now, now back to her, the letter writer. While I enjoyed the various humorous tweets mocking the bread bags, I didn't see anyone mention that her narrative is an invented pseudo-populist lie. No one in Iowa or anywhere in the Midwest would wear bread bags outside their shoes in the wintertime to keep their shoes dry. The bags would shred in a matter of minutes. Either oh, yeah, before or after the person wearing them would have fallen flat on their ass. <laughs> I, huh. remember, I remember kids wearing bags inside their shoes to keep yeah. their feet dry. Yes, and I do too. Aluminum foil too. Aluminum yep. foil. Yeah. Yep, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, it, that happened in my house too. But her story is absolute nonsense that derives less from some flawed memory than from a deliberate effort to deceive people about her humble origins. I can't imagine climbing on a school bus with bread bags on your shoes. You'd fall over. You really would. Well, yeah, it, it, it reduces your... It makes no sense. It reduces the friction to zero. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. you're, you're, walking you're walking on, on a icy surface yeah. already. Yeah. And now you're, oh, yeah, that's insane. Good point. Good point. I could go on about the cynicism and hypocrisy that informs the Republican campaign to sell themselves as folks, just like the rest of you. Suffice it to say that Ernst's message that we should all pull ourselves up by our bread bags. (laughs) (laughs) I'm using that. Yeah. Provides an excellent taste of what's to come over the next two years. Please feel free to use my first name. Love you guys. Eliza. Well, thank you, Eliza. We deeply appreciate your letter. Awesome letter, Eliza. And uh, I thought it was a perfect letter to start this episode because this is the honesty episode. Yeah. Talk about honesty. I did a quick um, uh, look up on the internet, mm-hmm. and uh, there is that there's a quote from the man who shot Liberty Valance that I think oh. sums it up really well, which is when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Yeah, yeah. Except yeah. I, it was intended as a mockery mm-hmm. of the kind of fairy tales that they told of the old West, rather than now it's a business plan. Yeah, yeah. Now it's Fox News business plan. It's just make shit up that sounds folksy. And uh, angry old people out there will misremember the past and say, yeah, you're right. We, I remember wearing bread bags on my feet, too. The topic this week is honesty. Can I, can I just mention another exchange that the kids had that was on the subject of politics this week? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I want to I say, first of all, that Junior Dude watched the entire State of the Union on his own, wanted to watch it, cheered, clapped, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about his response in a few minutes, but... Um, one of the things, what, one of the things that really, uh, came to my mind this week is that Barack Obama is our children's first president. Yes. And how wonderful that is. Um, but, uh, they are gradually becoming the the girls, especially are gradually becoming politically aware because of all the conversations we have in the house. Junior dude is just sunk into world, world politics. I mean, he can go to work for, the Secretary of State anytime he wants, especially uh, African countries. He just knows all of them um, and is very interested in politics. Uh, but the girls have just started to kind of get caught up. And one of them said to me, the youngest one said something about women running for public office. And uh, the subject, I don't know how it came up, but the subject of Sarah Palin came up. Have, has a woman ever run for president or vice president, I think was the question. And I said, yes, Sarah Palin was a vice presidential candidate. And Geraldine Ferraro. And Geraldine Ferraro was. And yeah. uh, in the 70s, um, what's her name? The African-American woman. Yes. Uh, Shirley Chisholm. Shirley Chisholm ran for president. Ran for president. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but the question that they brought up was Sarah Palin. And... Uh, 
the youngest child said, but she didn't do very well, did she? And I said, she lost, didn't she? I said, yes, she did. And youngest child said, why? And I said, well, part of it was she thought Africa was a country. <laughs> and yeah. middle child was standing there. And middle child is, is 12 going on 17 and is fully in the throes of being a tween, you know, rolled her eyes back in her head and went, oh, she must be on Fox News. <laughs> Mission accomplished here, Mission people. Accomplished. I, they get it. Let me put it that way. They get it. Uh, we've been watching Larry Wilmore this week yeah. and congratulate him on his new show. And I love this show. I don't know about you, but I think yeah. it's awesome. It's not the Colbert Report. No. It's, it's, own, its own thing. But it's thi what it is is really good. Yeah. yeah. Really, really good. It's, it's, it's called The Nightly Show. Uh-huh. And uh, he has this, if you haven't watched it yet, first of all, you need to watch it. Yeah. And he has a uh, panel discussion for part of the show, during which time he has a feature called Keep It 100. And you want to explain what Keep It at 100 is? Keep It 100 is keeping it, keep it 100% real. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. going to ask you a question. And the questions he has asked, and, and, and he really does, he, he, has, he has done what... Um, the Saturday and Sunday morning shows uh, with Chris Hayes used to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think you're right. Deeply and directly interact with his audience. He, mm -hmm. he and, and maybe it's you know maybe it's a function of being a new show and you want to you know get up and run get an audience together pretty quick. But he has a pretty powerful lead in with John Stewart. Yeah. Um, but it's it's he does a direct interaction with with his audience and said, look, um, we have a, a segment called uh, Keep It 100. Keep It 100 percent real. Mm -hmm. And he will ask people on his panel. Really uncomfortable questions. Yeah, about um, Bill Cosby and Barack Obama and race and uh, equal pay for women. He asked the, an African-American Republican woman if she would have stood up for the president. And he, she said no, no. <laughs> for equal um, pay. <laughs> and he asked, you know, did, did, you, did, you, did you vote for Barack Obama because he's black? Mm -hmm. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and that—that that was actually one of his whole monologues. Was yeah, hell, of course I did. Of course I That's, did. But what? What? Don't you want to vote for principal? My principal is he's black. He's so black. I'm gonna vote That's for my principal. And it, you know, and and it's it's an incredibly smart show. But it, it, he really does put people in. Uh, he asks really hard questions of his panel. He does exactly what any decent news show should do. Put people together in a group who are relatively smart and interesting and diverse and ask them tough questions. And, and, and then, wouldn't it be wonderful if Chuck Todd had some keeping it 100 yeah, no, buttons no. to slap on his guests? This is the photo negative in every photo sense. Photo negative, of, literally. Of meet the press. Of meet the um, press. And, but he does a direct interaction with his audience. He says, look, send me your questions. Send me your hard questions um, uh, on Twitter. I think he, he gives a general topic, but I'm not sure. Yeah. And he says, and, I'll, and I or my staff will pick one, and I will answer it. And keep it 100 means the audience will vote on whether or not they think you're being honest. Mm -hmm. Not whether you are honest. staff picks it up because when it goes on the show, he hasn't seen the question. Yeah, he hasn't seen that. You're right. He hasn't seen the question. He does it absolutely um, off off the cuff at the moment. And he, he is trying, obviously setting up sort of um, pitons for himself. He's setting up. Um, parameters for himself that forces him to stay honest. Um, the, the whole premise of these uh, of this section is, I, I'm going to ask you a hard question about about Bill Cosby, uh, about Barack Obama, or whatever, and you're going to 
you're going to keep it real. You're going to keep it 100. And the audience is going to vote whether or not you're lying or not. Mm-hmm. And there's this direct feedback. And um, it's it's really, really interesting to watch. And the thing that jumps out at me is not just the fact that he's you know overdue for a show and he gets good guests and it's a really fun and interesting segment. Um, and that every fucking news show should be like this. Yeah. I'm sorry. Every single one should be have some element, some piece of this DNA in it. It's 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 doable. Look, it's basic cable comedy. Mm-hmm. It's on four mm-hmm. nights a week, and somehow he manages to do it. And yet on NBC, the premier Sunday morning show, they cannot they can't tell the truth to save their lives. Yep. Um, because as, they're afraid that they won't get guests. But let's face it, uh, he got Cory Booker. Yeah. I mean, you can get people on a show yep. that are hungry to be on a show. <laughs> and it's good. Yeah. And, yeah. It has to be good. That's the thing. I, I think there's a... And why uh, would you want someone on who's go- who's not going to keep it 100? Yeah. Because so, you're Chuck Todd. That's why. Yeah. And, and all you serve is weak tea, Chuck Todd. Yeah. And all <laughs> you serve is weak tea and you're a servant to power instead of a servant to truth. All you, all, actually, all you serve is a cup of hot water with the word tea whispered into it. <laughs> it's that fucking weak. But yeah. um, the difference, the difference between keeping it 100 with, for Larry Wilmore's audience mm-hmm. and keeping it, quote unquote, real for voters every two years. That's what our conversation, I think, today is going to come down to. Yeah, yeah. Which is the people who are on his show are rewarded for telling the bald faced truth as they know it. The audience senses it and they give them ups or downs. And they could be magnificent actors, but you know, um, if you're on there as a conservative and, and you're and and you you give blunt answers to questions, um, they'll applaud you. you. They won't like your answer. They won't agree with you, but they'll, they'll reward you for being honest about what it is you believe. You're not, you're not trying to bullshit anybody. What's rewarded at the polling place? What's rewarded on Fox News, frankly, is telling your audience what they want to hear. Yeah. Lying to them, lying to them promiscuously about everything, lying to them about no go zones in fucking Omaha, you know, lying, <laughs> lying to them about climate change, lying to them about black, the black president, lying to them, doctoring film to lie to them, doctoring photos to lie to them, just lying to them constantly. And the audience keeps tuning in for it. And so f- this is part of the reason why we can't talk to each other anymore. Yeah, because what honesty means in the. Larry Wilmore context means being actually honest, yeah. being blunt and truthful about what you believe and being blunt and truthful about the facts of the situation. Being honest in the Fox News universe means telling me what I want to believe is true in a way that will make me make it easy for me to swallow. It will reinforce all of my prejudices, all of my ignorance and reward me. Tell me I'm patriotic for being a bigot. Tell me I'm, I'm really brilliant for being a moron and I will reward you. With my eyes and my votes and my money year after year after year. And that's why we, we can't talk. We have two entirely different spheres of people who have nothing in common anymore. Um, down at the you know, backyard barbecue level, I'm sure you know we're good friends and neighbors. And, and we can get along when it comes to our kids um, getting good grades. And we like the stop sign at the corner to be there because we like the traffic to stop. But when, once you get above that level, once you get to the policy level, we're just not in – there's no overlap. You know, there's no Venn diagram where, the, where these two groups overlap anymore yeah. at all. Yep. And, yep. And, the, and the ratcheting effect of the lying on the right, the fact that it just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, the more you pander, the harder you pander, the more you lie, the more you're rewarded means there's no way to reform the conservative movement. There's no way to fix it. Well, speaking have- of that, Driftglass, uh-huh. I have avoided in this podcast pretty diligently uh, 
pulling the David Brooks uh, trick of having your column read to you. Yes. And reading to you, Driftglass, something you've written this week, and then having you comment on it. <laughs> yeah, because my ego is already big enough. It doesn't need another. Well, Charlie Pierce has the same thing happen to him on yeah. on the um, Stephanie Miller show. So, you know, this happens. But I was so struck, and, and this goes right along with what you were just saying about dishonesty in, yeah. in the public sphere. Because actually what I want to talk about is Lindsey Graham. And Lindsey Graham was on the Chuck Todd show. And uh, this is what you wrote about uh, Lindsey Graham. And I, I'm just going to read it. The vapors-powered locomotive, the vapors-powered locomotive of yet another soon-to-be-forgotten presidential exploratory committee seethed flatulently out of the station today as Senator Lindsey Graham, our closet as deep as the ossible chasm, dropped a hanky, pulled off his glass slipper, and heaved it at Prince Charming's head dipped a dainty toe into the turbulent waters of the 2016 Republican race for Sheldon Adelson's wallet. In an announcement that caused godless heathen liberals to learn to pray again and conservatives across the Confederacy to laugh so hard their dicks momentarily fell out of their cousins, Senator Graham said he would make an awesome president because I've been more right than wrong when it comes to foreign policy, end quote. Because in American politics and on Beltway TV, strings of words coming out of people's mouth holes don't have to actually mean anything anymore. Uh huh. I love that's that. Good. I love Damn, that. That's good. Who the heck? Who the heck is that guy? <laughs> who, who is that? Guy? Who the hell is that? Guy? <laughs> and it, it, and you can. It's one of those things. It's like uh, I'll, I'll, a shout out to Eliza. It's like watching a thunderstorm come in across Iowa. Mm-hmm. You can see it coming. Mm-hmm. You can just see this. Oh my God! Really, really, Lindsey Graham, whose whose last good foreign policy decision was probably during the Ford administration, <laughs> um, is is going to run on his credentials as a foreign policy genius. Um, but against Hillary Clinton, yeah, well, that that is what is so funny. Is well, I Hillary- can't wait to see the debates where foreign policy comes up yeah. and she just starts name checking everyone she's met and when she met them and how many dinners she's had with that leader. And as I, I was on the phone with Angela Merkel the other day and I talked to her about that, you know, uh-huh. and this will come up over, there's no, there is no way to compete at her level. And, when, and on that subject, especially on I that mean, subject, we, she is still highly unforgiven over Iraq. a lot of things. Yeah, um, sure. She a lot still, of things. She's highly unforgiven about Wall Street, too. Yeah, there's a there's but she is the odds on favorite to be the standard bearer for my party in a year and a half. And that's I, the way it's I be. think she's the odds on standard bearer for Barack Obama's third term. I think yeah. that's what she's going to run as and, and, not, and not make Al Gore's mistake. No, which is exactly. run away, run, run away, away. Run no, away. no, I wouldn't at all. Um, but just, I would love to. I, I really would love to just to, to, to tail onto your point. I would love to see Hillary Clinton just take her shoe off and beat the crap out of Lindsey Graham. Yeah, oh they yeah. Can cry, but that's never going to happen because he's never going to make it out of the primary. No, he won't. He won't because I, he won't make it out of Iowa. But yeah. um, I want to talk about Barack Obama now, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, no. This it big. Uh, this is a state of the keep union it, week. Keep it a hundred. Uh, I really felt like there was a moment in the State of the Union that no one has really talked about that I know of where Barack Obama actually had a, 
a moment with the Congress where he said to them, let's keep it at 100 or keep it at 100. And I, and I have this on MP3 and I might plug in Obama's words, but I'll read it just so that I know it's in there. He said, I've served in Congress with many of you. I know many of you well. There are a lot of good people here on both sides of the aisle. And many of you have told me that this isn't what you signed up for. Arguing past each other on cable shows, the constant fundraising, always looking over your shoulder at how the base will react to every decision. Imagine, first of all, <laughs> just to com- add a comment, uh-huh. Democrats don't look over their shoulder at how the no. base will react to no. every decision. He's not talking no. about us. <laughs> no, and liberals aren't on cable television. Yeah, so there you, that's, uh, you know, I, uh, I think it is. Harold Fraud Jr. has a reserved seat at the morning show, but actual liberal actual Democrats, liberal, no, the, no. Base, the base, well, a lot of no. you were near a fucking microphone. No. So closest you but, get is Bernie Sanders. That's right. And the only reason you get the only reason you get Sanders and Elizabeth Warren is because they're U.S. senators. Yeah. Otherwise, they would never be on TV. And actually, you know, Chuck Todd has balked at having Bernie Sanders on on rerunning Bernie Sanders uh, video. So, all right. Uh, continuing, the president, I'm sorry, Mr. President, I interrupted you. I Imagine if we broke out of these tired old patterns. Imagine if we did something different. Understand, a better politics isn't one where Democrats abandon their agenda or Republicans simply embrace mine. A better politics is where we appeal to each other's basic decency instead of our basest fears. A better politics is where we debate without demonizing each other, where we talk issues and values and principles and facts rather than gotcha moments or trivial gaffes or fake controversies that have nothing to do with people's daily lives. A better politics is one where we spend less time drowning in dark money for ads that pull us into the gutter and spend more time lifting young people up with a sense of purpose and possibility and asking them to join in the great mission of building America. If we're going to have arguments, let's have arguments, but let's make them debates worthy of this body and worthy of this country. And my comment on Twitter was, I sure hope this rally to restore sanity goes better than the last one. <laughs> and John Stewart, dang it, he, he actually did comment on this and said, Obama, have you, have you lived in Washington for the past seven years? Yeah. You know, he's clearly given up on the rally to restore sanity. I mean, yeah. and that up. was his thing. Yeah, yeah. This would have been a great State of the Union address in 2009. Yeah, <laughs> but I, awesome. I, I, I still think it was a great moment. I, I, you, could, you could hear a pin drop oh, when he was, was saying that. It was a spectacular no one, speech. Yeah. No one has ever talked to the Congress directly like this about yeah. politics during yeah. a State of the Union, ever. I mean, for, also, no one has ever mentioned transgendered people in a State of the Union before. Um, I thought I was impressed by that, too. Actually, this, what this reminds me of, you remember a couple of months ago, that article, I think it was in Esquire, and mm-hmm. not by Charlie Pierce, so shocking, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, that the the bunch of former politicians, a bunch of former Congress people, um, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell was one of them, um, got together about ways to fix Congress. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and then, and then um, Rachel Maddow reviewed their article for the yeah. magazine. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bunch of white guys like politics. What? White, white Pauls like politics. Shocking. <laughs> but but the introductory part was sort of the, the no-name congressman who who was despairing of the fact that, you know, I don't want to go stab my friend in the neck, but I have to because the mm-hmm. base will kill me if I don't. Yeah. Um, but, at, of course, at the end of every one of these thoughts, at, at the end of every Republican moment of epiphany, 
mm-hmm. is the same is the same um, clawback. They're inside a black hole, mm-hmm. and they cannot get out past the event horizon. They can't escape it because, however however hard they fire their engines and how close do they get to an es- to escape velocity to say no, the problem is my fucking party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They will always turn around and say, but both sides are to blame. Yep. But both That's sides right. are to blame. Uh, David Brooks took time out from sleeping through the President's Day of the Union address to, to explain why uh, the black guy in the White House hadn't really earned, hadn't really earned the right to be snarked. To talk to Congress like this. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like, fuck. First of all, of all the people <laughs> to talk about people who have unearned privilege. <laughs> God damn, David fucking the most privileged, closeted, cozened potato bug who has lied and weaseled and waffled his way into a position of absolute, unimpeachable, unattachable power in the media. Mm-hmm. With who has no virtues going for was nothing. There's nothing about his resume or his background or his writing that recommends him to the position that he currently holds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet he retains it. And he can be as as dickish as he wants to be. He can he can say or do whatever he wants. He can go wherever he wants, and no one is going to stop him. He no one's going to stand up and heckle him. No one's going to remind him of that. Uh, remember, remember back when you used to work for Bill Crystal, uh, and yeah. basically you do did all the shit that you now tell other people not to do in order to build your career to get to where you are. Nobody mentions that because he's David Brooks. He is he is the manifestation of 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 flatly affected white. Privilege. privilege, yes, and a Tory American, someone who's trying so hard to be a Tory from 1810. Mm-hmm. Um, a and Whig. Class, I just want to go back to Obama for just a minute. Oh, please, please, please. I know, I know, I, I know. David Brooks didn't. He he deserves to be spanked very, very hard because of what that. he said about <laughs> because the of what he said. Yes, because it's it just it's just appalling. Yes, um, but. You know, no pre- what I wanted to say was no pre- president has ever talked to the Congress during a State of the Union like this because no president has ever been treated like he has by a Congress. Absolutely right. Absolutely. That's why. Yeah. And when I read this today, when I was putting this these notes together and read what he said again, I thought he's only talking to Republicans. He's not he's not telling Democrats to stop drowning in dark money for ads that pull us in the gutter. He's not telling Democrats that we need to talk more issues because <laughs> yeah. he's not talking about uh, to Democrats about appealing to each other's basic de- decency yeah. because they do. Nancy Pelosi does that. You know, yeah. they do talk about issues and, you can and complain the about not... Democrats. You can complain about Democrats all you want to. We can have that conversation. Yeah, that's not filibustering your own bill just to say fuck you to the black guy in the White House. Uh-huh. That's not the same thing. No. And so I think the speech was written for posterity. I think it was written for the history books. And I yeah. think it was written so they can play it again yep. when he's gone and everybody pretends that this didn't happen. Yep. He wasn't that both sides were equally to blame for how nothing got done during the Obama administration in Congress. And he's saying no. Well, and, and I want a Bible bitch. If you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going for just a oh, second. Oh no, please, please, I, I, stop. I, I, <laughs> the only thing I wanted to mention was I predict that what happened to Clinton will happen to him. Yeah. Because oh yeah. Once he's out of office for 18 months, he'll become man. There's one thing that's good under Obama. Oh man, that Obama. He was he was the kind of Democrat that you could work with. He was the <laughs> kind of Democrat you could actually admire. You know, he had integrity. I don't like this bitch who's you know running the thing now. Uh, Obama was the guy we could all sort of get behind and rally behind. Remember that one time we passed that one bill and we signed it? Um, 
Because, and they will get away with it precisely because of what you said. There, there just is no mechanism in place to call these people to account yeah. in our media. Yeah. And nobody okay. listens to the crazy liberals. So, um, my apologize for interrupting. But, but that no, but that they're exactly right. And it will be like Clinton in that he is now already setting up a structure called Organizing for America that's going to continue to work on exactly the issues. I mean, this is a laundry list for every Democratic candidate to run on for the next 30 years. And, and Climate change, add, economic it's, it's prosperity. A, it's a community organizer's list. It's a community organizer's list. Don't mention it. Marriage equality. The whole thing. And actually, uh, Organizing for America put out a, a rainbow T-shirt today that has the list on it. And it, it is. It's economic prosperity, climate change, women's rights, marriage equality is one. Community colleges. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all on there. Um, Bible bitch. Bible bitch. That's not scriptural. Yeah. Very quick. I, just in my weekly, uh, we're going through Bible in a year. In my weekly reading, uh, I came across Psalms nine sixteen, which was just the most perfect description of John Boehner I'd ever read in Scripture. <laughs> and and all of the people that responded to uh, the State of the Union, Psalms nine sixteen, the cunning machinery made by the wicked has maimed their own hands. Oh, that's perfect. Isn't that perfect? And That's I, perfect. <laughs> Joni Ernst, first of all, this whole thing about making Keystone the cornerstone of your response to the, key, the state. The Keystone of, Jobs, the Keystone Jobs program. Well, number one, that just shows that she's owned, she and her whole party are owned by the Koch brothers. And we all know that, yep. but, you know, she just sealed the deal right there. And uh, they have to talk about Keystone because they're not for anything else. Yep. So the only way you can say, yes, we, we're for something, we want to work with the president, is Keystone. That's it. Because that's all the Koch brothers want right well, now. Well, you know, you know who agreed with you today? Who? Either today or yesterday. Barack Obama. That's right. That's right. Um, he was either in Iowa today or I think Oregon yesterday mm -hmm. um, talking to a group because, you know, you got to be for something. No is not a policy. <laughs> you can't just say no all the time. You have to be for something. Well, they're and, for Keystone. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Of course we're for something. We're for the Keystone Pipe, pipe sucking. What is it? What does Charlie yeah. Pierce call it? Oh, the uh, continent spanning death funnel. Death funnel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're for that. Um, the Ted Cruz response. Let's start this over. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm not ready yet. John Boehner edited the State of the Union. His state. Oh, you mentioned that. The State of the Union to take out the climate change. Again, take out the climate change part of the speech because yeah. the Koch brothers want Keystone. Uh -huh. And then blamed YouTube. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. there <laughs> such a fail, it just so again, I say, Bible bitch says the cunning machinery made by the wicked is maimed their own hands. Oh, even Ross do that. This made me so mad. I'm so mad at shock <laughs> Twitter. He said, sorry. And I, I accept your apology shock. But uh -huh. I was so mad at him. He made me go to bed agreeing with Ross do that. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Don't do that's that. That's not good. DVD, that's not good for drift class that. either. That's not good for drift class either. Okay? That's not good for anybody. <laughs> but Ross do that from the New York Times. He's he's mini me over at the New York Times. Well, his, uh, his nickname is Chunky Bobo. Oh, Chunky Bobo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good for him. Yeah. Uh, here's what he tweeted. Uh, and thank you, to, uh, thank you to Shock for bringing this to our attention. Oh, uh, footnote: uh, Bobo is David Brooks. Yes, Bobo is David Brooks, and he's Chunky Bobo. Okay, 
Ross Juth had tweeted, the idea that GOP is a party of moneyed interest posing as a culturally conservative party is, um, not always without empirical support. And then his other tweet was, put not your faith in princes or congressional Republicans. Yep. <laughs> Amen. Yep. I, I, I can get behind that. The economics argument in this speech, if asking Republicans in Congress, if you think you can live on $15,000 a year, you can raise a family on $15,000 a year, try it. Uh-huh. If you can't, do something about it. Uh-huh. But he was talking to a group of people who completely lack empathy. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that it took the women in the Republican Party to balk on abortion. Because maybe like Nancy Pelosi, they know what it means to be pregnant. You know, it's it's amazing to me. Uh, apparently between 60 and 70 percent of abortions, the woman's uh, reason for getting an abortion is she can't afford a baby. Yeah. You want to do something about that? No, they don't. They don't yeah. want to do something about that. So make it make it possible for her to raise a family and yeah, she gets funding. to take paid time off of work. And this yeah. this is why there are so few abortions in the Netherlands, people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because being a mother is worth something. So uh, anyway. But, but you're right. No, asking asking Republicans to live on fifteen thousand dollars a year is a good line. And completely yeah. true, and it's completely useless. And I, I think of it like asking Hal from 2001 to live on $15,000 a year. Yeah, yeah. Because you're arguing with insane robots mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who have no concept of, of humanity at all anymore. They have no concept of the blood and flesh and awful damage they're wreaking on people because— Well, part of that to. is because they listen to Fox News all the time. Yeah, yeah. And part of that is because uh, I was reading an article on OpenSecrets.org today, which just blew me away. Uh, the ratio of money that an average citizen has or average fa- American family has to the money a congressman has is 18 to 1. Jeez. So, I'm yeah, I mean, 18 average American families combined, their wealth equals one congressman's wealth uh-huh. on average. So uh, that's where we're at. And that when you have that much money and and you are insulated within Washington and your entire office is watching Fox News all day long, I don't know what kind of juice your brain is actually functioning in. No. Well, and, and you're, you're also – just to be sort of a little more global because um, the Davos people are meeting this weekend. Oh, yes, they are. Um, the the Your congressional office or your Senate office or whatever – wherever you're operating – Mm-hmm. is ideologically embedded in a much larger universe that is constantly being infused with money. Money, yep. And white papers and position papers and talking points that you don't, you don't have to think at all. You don't have to write your own legislation. Yeah, yeah, Alec right. will do that for you. Yep. You don't have to think. Citibank will do that for you. Yep. Um, yeah. uh, the American Enterprise Institute or the Cato Institute or the Heritage Foundation or some other Koch-funded atrocity yep. will yep. hand you a way to what say, you, think. Yep. you know, well, if they, it, poor morally defect, you know, I, I would feel for them, but, you know, poverty is caused by moral depravity. And, or as one co- one congressional rep said to a caller into the Tom Hartman show, I can't listen to too much Tom Hartman. It gets really depressing if yeah. when he has a caller on and the caller is really suffering. Yeah. Uh, he had a blind person call into his show who had talked to his congressional staff about uh Social Security disability and why are you holding the disabled hostage in order to reform Social Security, which doesn't need reforming anyway. But uh, 
why are you doing this? And the congressional aides response was, there are too many people on disability. Yeah. That was, and that was his answer. Yeah. Are are there no workhouses? Yeah. No, there are too many people on disability. So, you know, that's the problem. We have to fix that. That's our problem. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So they're, they're completely out of touch. I mean. We well, think the they, Pope's out of touch. The Congress is much more out of touch. They're out of touch in, in the cruelest uh, way possible. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're out of touch in a way that is entirely voluntary. Because all, all you have to do if you want to see the reality of poverty is go anywhere to any place in America and talk to poor people. Walk it's down like, the street in D.C. You know what? <laughs> don't, don't take a junket to Israel. Don't take yeah. a junket to France. Take a junket to, to the south side of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Take your fucking congressional office down to East L.A. Take it to some of the poor parts of the town we live in. Take it to any city in America and, and go to the poor side of town and talk to the pastors who work there, the people who run the homeless shelter, the people who try to find them jobs, the people who, who have been looking for jobs for two, three, four, five years mm-hmm. or their entire life, the people who are struggling to get through community college. Talk to those people. You want to do a fact-finding tour? Go do a goddamn fact-finding tour about your own country. Get out from behind the Fox News wall. But then again, you might learn some things you don't like. And suddenly, Things that conflict with the Alex bill you've been told to pass. Yeah. Exactly. And when, you know, when the, when, the fa- when, the, when the legend becomes more popular than the fact, print the legend. Believe the legend. Yeah. What Alec tells you, what the Koch brothers tell you, is what you wish were true. Because it lets you off the hook uh, for being a compassionate human being. And you don't have to keep it a hundred anymore. You just no. you just do what they're you're told. Yep. And the, yep. the real horror is that we we have bred a generation of, of Republican politicians who sincerely believe because they've been bred since they were twenty. Mm-hmm. Young college Republicans who are now in the system and have have heard nothing but Ayn Rand and Heritage Foundation bullshit and Fox bullshit their entire life, who sincerely believe, like Paul Ryan, that the best way to cure poverty is to punish poor people, mm-hmm. is to hurt them, make them make them hurt more than they already hurt. And when you put and, and Paul Ryan, who would be dead now, or certainly not a congressman, were it not for Social Security benefits yep. Yep. and and all of the all the mooching state sponsored money he got to get himself to where he is today. But he's not to special. mention all the farm subsidies Joni Ernst has received in her lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. but but they're one of they're some of the good ones. Mm-hmm. Oh so yeah. They deserve it. Yeah. It doesn't count no. with you mm-hmm. as long as you go along with the overall program. I was just gonna anyway. say go go to the fuel assistance office in Springfield and just take a deep breath. Yeah. And and, and see what it smells like with uh-huh. people who haven't had hot water for a week. You know, because they can't afford it in their house. I mean, it's it's that I've been there, so uh, I, I I could take you over there anytime. Just give me a call. I'll be glad to uh, t- take uh, Aaron Shock over to there and let him. Uh, and hang and you out. know what? You can talk. I'm sure if you if you call in advance, you can talk to the overpaid, underworked union thugs who run the place. Yeah, sure. Uh, because they're sure. not overwhelmed. They're not underpaid. They're not just completely drowning in more poor people than they have the resources to help. Um, and they get to go home every day and open the paper or, or turn on the news and watch people dressed in $3,000 suits. Call Vilify them, them. Exactly. Vilify them. Exactly. And, and you know, when I went there, I've told you this story. I've told our podcast listeners this story many times. Just uh, I looked on the website as to what documentation they needed to get fuel assistance. This was back before we were married. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I had all the documentation I needed in a folder including, you know, social security numbers for each child in the household and yeah. stuff you have to dig out and find and have ready. And I made copies and I made sure that 
it was stapled together and I handed it to the very overworked woman who was trying to get fuel assistance for smelly people who were, you know, whose power had been off for a week. I mean, it really, I was not in that position. I was looking for help paying my bill, Uh but, uh, it was, it was not a pleasant place to be. And uh, I sat down and gave her the paperwork, and uh, she got me fuel assistance within five minutes. And I turned to her, as I often did, and said, I hope all of the other clients you have today are as easy as I am. And she went, (laughs) (laughs) Well, She's lucky if she can get a copy of their fuel bill, you know, because their poverty makes you dysfunctional. And I think that's something that, People don't understand. But no, no. See, this is how I know the story is not true, because I know (laughs) for a fact, having listened to lots of conservatives talk around town and Mm -hmm. on the Internet and on television, that when you walk into any government mooching office, they hand you a sack of money, Mm -hmm. a welfare check for life. You never have to look for work or anything. You get a free Obama phone. And you snap card and all the food you want. And, and, and why would you even go to work if you can get all that stuff for free? And, yeah. and exactly. It's free stuff. Plus, uh, you get your abortion pills uh, and you get all the free health care that, that if they run out of those things any given day, what they do is they go down the street to the hardworking side of town and just stick those people up and take their money yeah. and give it to the moochers because that's really all government does. It takes money from hardworking Americans and gives it to the undeserving poor. And the only way you can continue to maintain this fantasy is by building an ideology that says those people are inferior to me and they do not deserve to be treated like human beings, which is remarkably similar to the white supremacist ideology that kept slavery oh, going it, in this country it's for not, centuries. It's not just remarkably similar. It is the replacement for the racist yeah. ideology. Let's be real. That is that is how the racists have continued to flourish, is by making it those undeserving poor rather than N-word. And, yep. and we know that. Um, we have to stop there. Yeah. It's too bad. Cause I know. Roll. <laughs> you too, baby. You too. This is always every week. I every, know it's, it's, it's weird, but every week is entirely a pleasure to, we uh, didn't, we didn't talk about two sets of books. You want to talk about how there have always been two sets of books with the oh, Republicans? Yeah, okay. Cause that uh, Joni Ernst thing really was the second set of books being burst open and read aloud. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, the, the, if you if you know anything about the sort of the way the Republican Party has always been, uh, it's always been run by, you know, the money guys, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the guys who all they want is zero regulation and tax cuts. That's all they want. And uh, they will poke a bunch of no neck mouth breathing uh, inbred lunatics to get it. And they will right. run on the abortion. Issues. They will yeah. run on abortion forever. Right. Ooh, Obama's coming for your guns. Vote for uh, tax cuts for me. Um, you know, oh, Obama wants to kill your babies. That's Republican Party in one sentence. Absolutely. And it is. Yeah. And and they don't give a shit about those people. Those people are cannon fodder, and they're voluntary cannon fodder. And didn't Karl they, Rove call them the crazies? He did. Yeah, he he yeah. called the religious right the crazies, and you have to talk to him on the phone once a week. Yeah. And the reason we don't talk about that is. If you subtract the crazies from the GOP, the GOP will never win another fucking election. Well, no, it's they, Mitt Romney and his 12 friends. That's yeah. that's who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Then, then it's just a bunch of guys bitching about marginal tax about rates marginal in, a, tax? in a big house. Yeah. So they need the base. They require the base and they require an entire suite of paranoid conspiracy theories and racist race theory and, and white superiority and hating women. You, you, you know the whole list. It's ugly and awful, and it's basically the entire fodder you get on Fox News. Every now and then they come up with a new one. Every couple of days there's a new paranoid lunatic theory that fits conveniently in hand-to-glove 
into the existing universe of made-up bullshit these idiots believe. Here's the problem. To maintain a system where the people at the top damn well know they're lying to the no-neck inbreeds at the bottom who who keep voting for them, they have to keep – they used to have to keep two sets of books. Yeah. The books the, – the one set of books is reality as it actually is. There is gravity. There is history. There's oxygen. If you burn a lot of carbon, you're going to fuck up the atmosphere and destroy the world. Um, and that's if, why you sit down with George H.W. Bush and come up with a compromise bill on taxes. Right. That includes some things that you really didn't want, but you're going to get you're going to compromise because you, there's stuff you want. Exactly. But but once the Joni Ernst take over the Congress. Well, that's then the second set of books. The There's second set second of books is Benghazi and IRS and yeah. Kenny Usurper and death panels and, 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 and birth certificate going on. And it goes way back. It goes back to the Clinton years. goes back to Vince Foster. There's always the second set of books. The black helicopters are coming to make your kids gay. That's yeah. the, you know, the problem is somebody lost the first set of books. <laughs> and, and now they actually. Says, Get shit done because we need those marginal tax rates. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're, they're still doing that. That's still sort of the, the overarching plan. But actual elected officials, the actual core of the elected party, the people who are in office, not the people who vote the people into office, actual elected officials are now the crazy ones yeah. who, have, who, have, who sincerely believe that the U.N. is coming for your golfs. Yeah. And, and, and they're going to – and really – and they fervently believe it like most – zealot idiots believe the stupid shit they believe and you can never you can't reason out of it because they heard it on fox news and fox news is gospel mm -hmm. and that's the problem it was never intended to be the the vocabulary of the governing elite it was never intended to be the people who were in office yeah, it was useful to have a couple of those people around to sort of keep the party in line you throw them a bone every now and then, yeah we're gonna get rid of abortion but it was never intended that they would actually take the insane propaganda that they've been cranking out as gospel for 40 years and make that the actual operating manual for the party. And now they have. And they can't go back. Because what are you going to do? Tell the mob that you've been lying to them for 40 years? Mm -hmm. No. You, the mob rubs shit on its face. You rub more shit on your face. The mob wants, wants 40 people dead. You want 400 people dead. You want nine fucking pipelines. You have to be yeah. crazier than the mob you created or they'll eat you alive. And, and so that's where we're at now. They, they used to be able to differentiate between the shit we tell the idiots. You know, in the, in the Bible, there's the lesson for the elect and the elite. And there's the lesson for everybody else. Yep, yep. You know, the, there's the shit you tell the Pharisees. And then there's the lesson for the disciples. Yeah. There's always that distinction. There's no distinction anymore in the GOP. The crazy shit that the, the shoeless, inbred morons believed is now uh, – the theology of the Republican Party. And, and you can't and fight. By the way, we we have to publicly apologize to Andy in England. Yes. Um, because we sent Bobby Jindal over there. I mean, not you and I personally, but America. We're so sorry. <laughs> Uncle Andy. He, he emailed, he, he, we're so sorry, Uncle Andy. We won't send Bobby Jindal anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He wrote me like three times this week. Like, Please take this asshole back. <laughs> he didn't say asshole, but it, sorry, sorry. Andy, you, Andy's a class guy. But yeah. <laughs> read, read the sign, Andy. That we have a no return policy. No return policy. Yeah. Except, you know who also went to England? I didn't know. I didn't realize this. Uh, Louis Gomert. Oh God. Louis Gomert went to England in November and December and claimed it was a campaign trip. <laughs> 
and and this just happened. This is breaking news for us. Uh-huh. We're recording this Thursday night late. Um, the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington has filed a complaint with the Office of Congressional Ethics against Representative Louis Gohmert. Uh, and they say in their quote in their complaint, uh-huh. Representative Gohmert's legendary tirades may put him in high demand for public speaking engagements, but that doesn't give him license to build luxury London vacations to his campaign. Mm-hmm. The congressman can't credibly claim that speeches made to those who can't vote for him serve the purpose of getting him reelected. But Gomert said the trip was political. You know, a lot of senators and representatives do that. And of, ah. course the, <laughs> and of course, the president, when he was running, he liked to go over there. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if, did the president bill his campaign for the, yeah. for the trip? I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if he he had to build a campaign for his hotel room, the president. Yeah. Did now did Louis Gohmert go to London or to where he thought was London? <laughs> he stayed at a five star hotel. Yeah. Was there or... a mouse with really big ears uh, outside the castles you visited, <laughs> or <laughs> was it you know because he spent two hundred and thirty four dollars and fifty four cents on one cab ride. Uh huh. Yeah, you know what? His Here's hotel bill London. was over five grand. A London cab driver has now got the greatest story ever. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Uh, yeah, actually, he didn't. The, he didn't convert pounds to dollars exactly accurately. Well, Is that what you're and, saying? Well, it's he's like, the euro. <laughs> this asshole got in my car. I said he was a congressman, but he he was a raving lunatic, and <laughs> uh, he wanted to go to Piccadilly Circus, which is five minutes away. Got him for over. I sent him to Seaford, Sussex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He didn't know the, the difference. The southern coast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took hours to get there. Yeah. yeah. See, if, if if Tom Friedman had taken that trip, yeah. he would have taken the cab driver, given him some attributes, and written an entire book about all he learned about globalization That's shop, right. and jobs. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Louis Gomer just Louis sitting Gomer in the back of the cab. Wrote it off on his campaign. <laughs> Head hanging out the window, tongue hanging out of his hey, mouth. Hey, the president <laughs> went to England while he was running for re-election. Why can't I? Unbelievable. Is that All the right. queen? No. Is that the queen? No. Is that the queen? No. <laughs> yes, that's the fucking queen. <laughs> We're so sorry, Andy. We really <laughs> are. Yeah. yeah. I saw the queen. <laughs> I... Sorry. No, we're just a little giddy. We're a little giddy because it's so late. But <laughs> do you remember... Do you remember those um, photoshops of Mitt Romney with the Queen of England and captioning that? Oh, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you yeah, fine. Okay. I, I'm just I'm, I'm ransacking my memory for those. And I can't remember them. It was just it was a photoshop of Mitt Romney standing next to the Queen of England. Oh, okay. Okay. And it was uh, <laughs> Princess Diana is a Mormon now. <laughs> <laughs> and so is Edward the First. Just so you know. <laughs> We converted them all the way back to Henry. All the way so. back. Your whole family tree is Mormon. Now. Congratulations. <laughs> all right. We got to stop. All right. Each week we post to our Facebook page and website an internet kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's internet kitty is Artemis. And Artemis's human rights. When we got Artemis, our 12-year-old golden retriever German shepherd mix, Valkyrie... <laughs> Took one look at this little kitten and decided, Artie is my puppy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She took to mothering the six-week-old kitten. 
scaring us to death because uh, Artie was so small and Valkyrie has no idea how big <laughs> she is. <laughs> Obviously, Artie survived the mothering. And you, the picture uh, that we have on our Facebook page and website is of Artie and Valkyrie snuggling. Oh, it's so cute. Okay. Very cute. You can send your internet kitty to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, or you can also write to both of us. Feel free to write us. We love hearing from you. Be aware that if you write to us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service. Go Postal Unions! Letter on the air, unless you say otherwise. Don't forget our gourmet coffee guideline. If you can afford to buy an espresso-based beverage for yourself, buy one for us. Approximately 1% of our listeners support this podcast with a contribution you can too. And Drift Glass, we got a $1 contribution today from a listener who said, this is what I can afford to send. I know it's not it's 7-Eleven coffee, but I want you to know I appreciate what you do. And I wrote back right away and said, thank you so much. Every penny counts. You rock. We really do appreciate you uh, letting us know and giving us a vote of confidence with any a contribution in any amount. Uh, you can see our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, for details. Please rate our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, and thank you for doing that. We read your reviews, and we love hearing from you that way, too. Hey, Blue Gal, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, the Internet Kitties are still working on their 2003 State of the Union response. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, loving, dubbing. Let's forget about the wine and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. The Professional Love Podcast is recorded under Creative Commons license. Copyright 2015, Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast. Minecraft is awesome. Now it's time for Science Fiction University with our science fiction expert, Jeff Glass. Science Fiction University comes from Dogface Herman, our friend Dogface Herman. Thank you very much for sending these along. You know, one of these days we're going to have a meetup and I'm going to buy Dogface Herman a beer. Yeah. Dogface Herman wrote us and said, What would a science fiction movie be without exposition? Guess the movie based on the opening narration. Oh, see, I thought it was about uh, without exasperation. So, <laughs> well, there's that too. <laughs> I'm completely unprepared for this quiz, but please. All right, so he's giving you the opening narration of the movie, and you right. have to guess the movie. Okay. Number one. To understand who he was, you have to go back to another time, when the world was powered by the black fuel, and the desert sprouted great cities of pipe and steel. Oh, that's the Road Warrior. Wow, that Max. They're, they're, start off with an easy one. They're remaking, or they're doing a sequel, or they're setting something. Uh, no, they're doing a remake of that, which is dubious. But have at it, boys. Is it going to have Beyonce in it? I don't know. I think that's. I think they're saving her for a Thunderdome. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it doesn't have Beyonce in it, I don't want to see it. All right. Well, who, who else can? Who else can play Tina Turner? Really? No, there's nobody else who could do it in the world who could do yeah. it. Okay. Uh, number two. First, there was darkness. Then came the strangers. They were a race as old as time itself. They had mastered the ultimate technology, the ability to alter physical reality by will alone. They called this ability tuning. Oh, I love this movie. It's Dark City. 
You do love this movie, I, and I really seen it a couple do. Times, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a very very good, truly interesting science fiction movie, start to finish. Good actors, yep. and that's Kiefer Sutherland who uh, plays a really good role in this. So he doesn't torture anybody or anything. By the way, speaking of good movies, uh huh. I hope people who do not want to see Fifty Shades of Grey yes. go ahead and go out and watch Secretary. Similar theme, much better movie, I'm sure. Better I've actors. Seen Secretary, better actors, certainly. Frankly, you know, just by. And from the preview, I mean, I'm not going to go see Fifty Shades of Grey, but from from the previews and so commercials that I've seen, you know, it's 90% of the effort of that movie was in set design. So. Yeah. Yeah. It has a very L.A. law feel to it. So um, <laughs> but I, Secretary is a really good movie and and characters that have uh, flaws and uh, scars, literal and figurative scars and are um, are human. And and I, I really liked the characters in that movie and cared about them. Yeah. I'm uh, waiting for uh, Fifty Shades of Lego. Yeah. <laughs> the the Lego version of it because they think it will be awesome. You know but, why you're you know why you know what the new T-shirt is over at T-shirt Hell. Oh, I don't, but it, it's don't. got the guy from Lego Movie and it says Block Lives Matter. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> I, I felt I laughed and I felt bad about laughing about it. <laughs> well, you, that you feel about all of the T-shirts over at T-shirt Hell, you know. Well, it's it's clever. I I gotta it give is up. It's clever. You gotta <laughs> give it to him. Yes. <laughs> All right, number three. Of all the worlds that the intelligences on Mars could see and study, only our own warm Earth was green with vegetation, bright with water, and possessed a cloudy atmosphere eloquent of fertility. Oh, yeah, that's this is the original, never-to-be-duplicated George Pal version of War of the Worlds. Right, 1953. Yeah. Yeah, and if you if you look up the narrator, you'll find that he was also in a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Cedric 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 Hardwick Hardwick, that's it. Cedric Hardwick, and uh, he played uh, in in one of the great movies that I see every year, The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, so Moses, Moses Moses. Okay, yeah, where you learn Moses' middle name, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's, <laughs> and it's a really good movie. War of the Worlds. Uh, uh, that movie is really solid science fiction movie. Moses' middle name. Is- yeah. Why did the chicken cross the road, Moses? <laughs> I love this joke. Why? <laughs> this is a great joke. Why did the... Hey, Moses, why did the chicken cross the road? I don't know. To take a look at the idiot. Knock, knock. Who's there? The chicken. <laughs> I do love this joke. It takes Hi. two of the great old jokes in human history and makes them one beautiful thing. Yeah, one beautiful yeah. joke. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number... It's fading a little bit. What are we on? Number four? Number four. Uh, number four. An illuminating history bearing on the everlasting struggle for world supremacy fought between the powers of technology and magic. The world blew up in a thousand atomic fireballs. The first blast was set off by five terrorists. It took two million years for some of the radioactive clouds to allow some sun in. By then, only a handful of humans survived. The rest of humanity had changed into hideous mutants. These mutant species floundered in the bad areas, radioactive lands that never allowed them to become human again and made each birth a new disaster. I have no idea. 
Um, that is a movie called Wizards from 1977. Oh, okay. You were high then, so yeah, I was high most of the time. I was thinking uh, maybe the time machine. Uh huh. Um, uh, in honor of the there's a lot of elements in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, nuclear war and aging. uh, Two million years go by. Two races of people. Rod Taylor just passed away, I believe. The the, uh, star of Time Machine, but um, got it wrong. So good for you, Dogface Herman. Okay, number five. Earth that was could no longer sustain our numbers. We were so many. We found a new solar system. Dozens of planets and hundreds of moons. Each one terraformed, a process taking decades to support human life, to be new Earths. The central planets formed the Alliance. Ruled by an interplanetary parliament, the Alliance was a beacon of civilization. Oh, yeah, I love this movie. Serenity. This is Serenity, yeah. Such a, I just love that. I love the show. I, didn't, I never watched a single episode of Firefly when it was on. I watched the entire thing retrospectively. And, man, I can definitely see why people got pissed when they canceled it. That's a, it was a really good show. Really fine acting. Did you good, see good Serenity writing. before you watched the TV show? I, mean, I did. I, yeah. I did. Yeah. And I went back and, and, and I, I, I fell in love all over again. And finally, number six. I am Chris Wells. For many years, I have told you the almost unbelievable related the unreal and showed it to be more than fact. Now I tell you a tale of the threshold people. So astounding that some of you may faint. Well, okay. Uh, it, it really should be because um, it's Criswell. And Criswell was um, oh, Ed Wood's guy. He was his mm-hmm. uh, narrator. So I got to go with... Um, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah, well, it, it is Ed Wood. It's Night of the Ghouls from 1959. Oh. But, you know, it is all strung together one big, long movie. Ed Wood is just one big, long movie. So He was a, he was a factory of some kind. Yeah, he certainly was. <laughs> he could poop them out, I tell you. Night yeah. of the Ghouls huh? in, his, in his own horror genre, yes. Now, well, thank you, Dogface be- Terman. Thank you very much. That had to be – oh, thank you very much. That had to be either the late 50s or early 60s. So, so consider that people are still – as horrible as those movies were, people are still watching and talking about Ed Wood movies half a century mm-hmm. later. There's something about that. There's something – they're good to be bad. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you very much, Dogface Terman. We'll be back again next week with you another bet. another Dogface Terman contribution, actually. So. Oh, oh man. Okay. Yeah. Is there any specific area of – the more movies. More study. movies. Oh, great. I, I have to, so I have to watch science fiction movies this week. <laughs> All Curtis, week. Like, you're not going to do that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Damn you, All right. See y'all later.